Welcome to the podcast of Sozo Church. For more information about Sozo, please visit sozosmtx.com. So tonight, I want to talk to you guys about a few things, okay? Three things. I want to talk about calling, assignment, and position. Calling, assignment, and position. And I know you've heard some of this talk in the last few weeks on this, but I, I really want to dig down on a few calling, assignment, and positions. I want to look at some scripture so we can make this okay to do. So we're going to talk about scripture and see some callings and some assignments in scripture. Let's start with this one here. If you could turn with me to Luke chapter four, okay? And I know so many of you have seen this one. This is a very common one, especially in missions, when you see like a missions video and so forth. This one comes up all the time, okay? Let me set the scene for this though, okay? So Jesus has just come out of the the wilderness. He's been in the wilderness for, for 40 days. He's been tempted by the devil. He comes out and scripture says he comes out of uh, the wilderness um, and, and with the Holy Spirit. He's like full of the Holy Spirit. You know, sometimes we think the wilderness is not a good place to be. It's like a place of defeat. Jesus showed us though, the wilderness is actually a place of victory. So he comes out in victory, right? Full of the Holy Spirit. He goes into the synagogue and he sits down, or actually doesn't sit down. He stands up. He's going to read and he's handed this scroll. And this is from Isaiah 61. And it says, for the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery to the sight of the blind and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Wow, that's a meaty statement. But honestly, that is his assignment. That was his assignment. And this, it's... Surface level wise, Jesus did all those things, you know? He proclaimed the good news to people who needed to hear it. He freed captives, right? He brought the sight back to those who were blind. He did all those things. He proclaimed liberty to those who were oppressed. He did all those things. But if we dig down deeper into this thing, if we kind of look at it from new covenant lenses, we see that Jesus also, he... um, he was dealing with the spiritual realm too because there's so many people in the world in Jesus' day even who were spiritually blind, right? They were spiritually held captive. They were spiritually oppressed, right? They had all that. They had people who needed to be spiritually, have liberty brought to their lives. And what were they, what was, what was captivating? What was holding them back? Well, there was a lot of things, but one of the big things was the law. I mean, think about the law. It wasn't what God intended for us to have. It was not his best, okay? It's what these guys wanted. God wanted something better, but it's what these people ended up, that's what they wanted. So they lived under the law and they were held captive by that. In fact, scripture tells us that the law was kind of like a veil. It would, it would cover the heart of the father. So they really wouldn't see really what the heart of the father was like. So that's what, that's what Jesus was coming to say. I'm going to get, I'm going to get you, I'm going to free you from this. I'm going to take away everything that's between you and my father's love. All that stuff that causes distance and separation, it's all going to go. That's what he was freeing these guys from. And that's what, that's what he did. And so that was his assignment, you know, that was his assignment. And the, the amazing thing is Jesus never wavered in that assignment. You ever notice that? 
Like there was all sorts of stuff going on around the world in, 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 his, in his day. You know, you had, I'm sure there was disease. I'm sure there was sickness. There was people dying. There was people walking around blind and so forth. Heck, you know, Israel, Israel was occupied. They, he, he lived in an occupied country. So there was the political division, right? Was there division in the, in, in the church? Yeah, there was division in the church. Does it sound familiar? But Jesus never, ever wavered from his assignment. Did you ever notice that? The only thing that moved Jesus was his father. That was it. He never, nothing else would move him. It was only, he only did what he, he saw his father do. And he only said what he heard his father say. But he never wavered off of that. He, was, he walked with all the callings, right? He was definitely an apostle, right? He was a prophet, right? He was a teacher. He was a shepherd. He was an evangelist. He had all of those things, right? And he had, a, he had an amazing calling. How about you? Have you ever been maybe distracted off of your assignment? Maybe in today's world? Some of those things I mentioned earlier, do they kind of sound familiar today? We have some division going on politically in the world. Heck, we're in the middle of a pandemic. We've got divisions in the church. Has those things caused you maybe to walk away from your assignment and from your calling? You know, I love when, when Paul writes to Timothy. He says, Timothy, I'm, this is my translation, don't get tangled up in that mess. You know, what good soldier would get tangled up in the affairs of these civilians over here? How can you please the one who sent you? So don't get tangled up in that. You've got to be aware of what's going on, but you can't be consumed by what's going on there. So that was his, that was his assignment. The main thing about his assignment is that he came in love. It was wrapped in love. Scripture tells us, right, that God so loved the world that he sent his son. So he came in love. Without love, it's just, you, the Bible tells us it's nothing, but you're just making noise out there. You're just making noise. Until people know that you love them and care, them, care for them, the door's closed. The moment they know that you love, for, love them and really love them, not acting like it, but really love them and, and care for them, the door's wide open for the gospel to come through. So that's what Jesus walked in. Now, he wasn't done, you know, so he hands that off to his disciples. So if you look over, turn over to, to uh, um, John chapter 20. Can you do that real quick? John chapter 20, 21 through 23, okay? <clears throat> this, is a, uh, this is when Jesus, now let me set the scene for this one here. Jesus is, uh, actually, his disciples are in, uh, they're in, in a room. They're in Jerusalem. The guy they've been walking with for the last three years has been crucified right in front of their eyes. And they're scared. They're thinking they're next. Their head's coming off. And they're in a room cowering down. And I love this because Jesus, Jesus walks into that room. The first thing he says is, peace be with you. He addresses the first issue on their heart. He says, bring, the prince of peace walks in and brings peace to the whole thing. And then he says, has the father sent me? I am also sending you. There's the handoff right there. Has the father sent me? I am sending you. How did the Father send him? He sent, he sent Jesus in love. What did this Father send him to do? Free people who are held in captivity. Those who are held captive. And there's all sorts of people in this world who are held captive by all sorts of things. 
But Jesus came to free all those things, free them from those things. So as the Father has sent me, I'm sending you to do the same thing. That's what he does. So turn with me over to, to Luke, or excuse me, to Act, Acts uh, chapter one, verses six through eight. This is Luke's account, accounting of, of when Jesus just goes, before he goes up to, into heaven. So Jesus, he walks with, he's crucified, he's buried, he comes up out of the grave and he spends time with his disciples. And then just before he goes up into, into heaven, before he ascends into heaven, he says this. He says, um, and so it's starting in verse six, he says, so when they had come together, they asked the Lord at this time, uh, are you gonna restore the kingdom to Israel? And Jesus' response to that was, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witness in Judea, in Judea in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He's gonna, you're gonna be a witness, he says. At the beginning of that, when, when the, the disciples ask, you know, is, is this the time you're gonna restore the kingdom? And Jesus had to kind of redirect them right back to what their original assignment was. Have you ever done that in your life? Like, I like to say it's like that shiny thing over here. Like you're cruising along in that assignment that God gives you and all of a sudden, ooh, that's a bright shiny thing over there. And you start going that direction. You know? You ever go back to the bright shiny thing? I know I have. And that's kind of what the disciples were doing. And Jesus had to redirect them. No, 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 no. That's not, don't worry about that stuff. Your job is to be a witness when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witness all over the world. Witness to what? To what I've done. What have I done? I've loved people. I've freed people who are held in captivity. And the world is full of people still to this day who are held in captivity. So keep your eyes off the shiny thing and keep your eyes on what's really important. And that's your assignment. So... um, these guys were ordinary guys. They were ordinary. They were not superstars. Let's put it that way. They were not extraordinary. They were unordinary guys is what the scripture tells us, you know, but they were full of the Holy Spirit and they turned the world upside down. They really did. Scripture tells us they turned the world upside down and historians tell us that within about the first 200 years of this, most of the Roman empire had been, had been, had received this message about Jesus. And within the next 2000 years, most of the world had heard, the, heard about Jesus. That's pretty impressive for unordinary, I mean, just ordinary old dudes. But they were filled with extraordinary power. Let's call the Holy Spirit. Hmm, I like that. I really do. Let's look at this one. This, one, um, this is the last one I want to look at from, from Scripture. This is Paul, his assignment and his calling. Okay? His assignment and his calling. Um, Turn with me to Acts chapter 14, 18 through 21, or excuse me, 18 through, or 14 through 18. I'm gonna read this one from the Message Bible. This one, I love the way the Message Bible reads on this one here. Um, you guys remember Paul, right? He was, a, he was at a, a religious elite guy, right? He went to like, if there was a Harvard of Judaism, this guy went to it. Right? If, he, if there could be like a, an Ivy League school for Judaism, this guy was there. He was. But then something happened to him. He had a run-in with Jesus who changed his whole life and gave him an assignment. In 
and a calling in life that radically changed his life. And what was that calling? Well, let's take a, this is interesting because this is actually, this scripture is actually Paul, uh, Paul, he's like recounting. So he's giving his testimony, okay? And he's talking to King Agrippa, like Paul's being held captive right now. He's, he's been arrested for preaching about Jesus and he's being held by the Jews and he's about to be shipped off to Rome and so forth. And, and King Agrippa, he has an opportunity to have a, a face-to-face with him. And he, he gives this account. He says, and this is out of the Message Bible. It says, one day on my way to Damascus, armed with, with papers from high priests authorizing my action, right in the middle of the day, a blazing light, light outshining the sun, poured out of the sky on me and my companions. Oh, King, it was so bright. We fell on our faces. Then I heard a voice in Hebrew say, Saul, Saul, why are you out to get me? Why do you insist on going against the grain? I said, who are you, master? The voice answered, I am Jesus, the one you're hunting down like an animal. But now up on your feet, I have a job for you. Hmm, sounds like there's an, a, a calling going on here. I've got a job for you. He says, I have handpicked you. I love that wording. To be a servant and a witness to those, a witness to what's happened today and what I'm going to show you. Now here's his assignment. I'm sending you off to open the eyes of the outsiders so that they can see the difference between dark and light and choose light. The difference between Satan and God and choose God. I'm sending you off to present my offer of sin forgiven and a place in the family, inviting them into the company of those who begin real living and believe by believing in me. What an assignment. That's an incredible assignment. It sounds like the same assignment Jesus had when he walked on, right? Bringing people from darkness into light, forgiving people of their sins. I love the part he talks about bringing them into a family, the family of God. How many people walk around in the world today and don't know that they belong to God? They belong to a family. How many people in the church today still struggle with that? And here he is, he's saying, no, I want you to let them know they, they're part of a family. And then I want you to start living. How many zombies do we see walking around thinking like they, they're living life? They're not living life. They're living a, a counterfeit life. And Jesus wants them to live the real life. It's the same message. It's the same assignment. It hasn't changed any. So if we boil it down, it's all the same. So how about you guys? You spent 10 weeks kind of getting through this relaunch and so forth. Maybe some of you haven't done the relaunch and that's perfectly fine. But you have a unique calling and assignment on your life. You really do. You know, some of you are called as, oh, apostles. We have any apostles in here? There's one, two, a few, there we go. You know, there's never been an apostle like you guys, ever. There hasn't been one in the past like you and there won't be one in the future. You're handpicked for such a time like this. God handpicked you for a time like this. You have a call. Any teachers around here? Who's a teacher? More teachers over. Yeah, I know you're a teacher for sure. You are a teacher like there'll never be one ever before, ever again, before or again. Because your assignment is for this time such as now, handpicked for today. How are we an evangelist? Come on, I want to see some evangelists. Hey, okay, here you go. 
Yeah, we got evangelists out there. I mean, you think Paul, he was an evangelist? Ain't been one like you though. You're for today. So that's, that's your calling. Now, how do you live out the assignment? Well, I submit to you the assignment hasn't changed. It's still the same. It's the very same thing that when Jesus walked on this earth, he says, I want you to free those who are held in bondage, those who are held in captivity. I want you to bring them back to life. How are you going to do that? With the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You receive power to do that. Now, I don't believe, so I, I think there's your calling. There's your assignment. Now the question is, how do I position this calling and assignment to actually do that? Well, the way I look like calling, I look at a calling and assignment like this, is it's kind of like a seed, okay? And inside of a seed, there's all the DNA, all the genetic coding that that seed needs to reproduce the mother plant. You know that? You throw it in the ground, it's gonna, re- it's gonna produce exactly what, where it came from. That's you guys. You got that seed in that calling to reproduce kingdom life, kingdom living, every place you go. But sometimes, you know, you got to prepare to plant that seed, though. How do you prepare that? How do you prepare to step into what God's actually calling you to do in your assignment? Well, you got to get close to God. You really do. Joel talks about that proximity to the Lord. You got to get close to God. You got to get into his word. You got to feast on his word, Right? I'm afraid sometimes, and I tell this to my wife, I said, I think we're getting it with all social media and computers and YouTube and all those things. I think we got a whole generation who's being discipled by YouTube. And we need to be discipled by the Holy Spirit. There's nothing wrong with YouTube and those things like that, but there's nothing that will substitute getting in his word and allow Holy Spirit to teach you. So you got to prepare that seed to go in the ground. And when it goes into the ground, you got to call it up. You got to call it up. And sometimes you also, before you throw it in the ground, you're going to have to position it. Where do I position this just right? What do I got to do? And I believe that's what God asks us to do. What do we have to lay on the table, God? What do you want me to do in order so I can step into this calling and this assignment? What do I got to do with that? What do I gotta, how do I prepare my family? How do I prepare my life? Got any college students out there? No college students? None whatsoever? High school students? There we got a few high school students. How do you prepare yourself as a high school student to step into what God's calling you to do? You ever thought about that? Maybe if you're a senior, maybe you want to take a gap year and go work someplace, orphanage, something like that. Who knows? We got some mid, midlife people here. I'm one of them. Hello. What's God calling me to do? In my personal life, my wife and I are trying for really for we feel like the calling and assignment God's given us, we're trying to learn a new language, you know? And that's tough when you're almost 56, you know, to learn a new language. But we feel like God's calling us to do that so we can prepare for that. Any retirees in here? There we go. You guys, you're not done yet, are you? And that season of life that you have, how can you position your retirement to most make the most biggest kingdom impact in society, right? You're not done. So ask God, what can I do? How can I take that seed that you've given me, God, and put it in the ground and seed grow? So where do you put it? Where do you plant it? Kingdom culture, uh, we just want to see kingdom culture just transform culture, actually. We want to see the church turn people up, or turn um, uh, culture upside down. I only have a few minutes left, but I wanted to say, you know, 
It was interesting. Jesus said, you'll be my witness in Judea, or excuse me, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And God may be calling some of us to some rough places. You know, it was interesting. He said, he told the disciples to remain in Jerusalem. Well, why would I want to stay there? These guys are trying to kill me. That's probably not the safest place to be if you were a disciple. But Jesus said, remain there. You'll be my witness there. And that, so what, I kind of translate that like, some of us may be called to places that people don't like us very much. And he says, you'll also be my witness in Samaria. Well, think about Samaria. That was, I mean, any respectable Jew would not be found in Samaria. They wouldn't be. But Jesus, I think, was, is calling us to maybe step into, world, into parts of the world where the, world, the rest of the world says they're not worth going to. Well, maybe it's this culture right here locally. Like there's, those people aren't worth reaching, but they are. Jesus is saying, yeah, they are worth. We got a whole, the world still to this day, over 3 billion people don't even have access to the gospel. Do you realize that? Almost like over 41% of the people do not have access to the gospel. They're unreached. That means that they will be born and they will die and never hear the word Jesus, ever. They do not have access to the gospel. They're held in bondage by all sorts of things. Political bondage, right? There's, there's regimes out there that won't, that won't even hear, they don't wanna hear the word Jesus. There's religious bondage out there. There's, there's Islam. There's people who bow down to Buddha. Heck, in Hinduism, there's all that going on too. And they're bowing down and worshiping God who is not worthy of their worship. There's only one who's worthy of, his worth, of, of their worship and his name is Jesus. And that's it. But they're held in this captivity. And we're called to bring those people out of darkness and into light. So let me close in this, is that church, you're, you're, you're created to make an impact. You guys are created to launch out of here and go turn the world upside down. Turn the world upside down. You were created to turn the world upside down in so many ways to affect culture and to change culture. Think about the culture that's going around in the world today. How can you turn, up, turn the world upside down in homelessness? Can you turn the world upside down in that place? Can you imagine a world with no homelessness? How about racism? Can we see that go away? How about hunger? Do you realize that every 10 seconds, a child dies in the world? of hunger, that means in the 30 minutes I've been speaking, almost 200 children have died of a preventable thing. How can we, as a church, step into that mess and change it, change the culture? They're held in captivity and bondage, and we have the answer. We have the keys. Drug addiction, alcoholism, abuse, broken families, abortion, 2019, the number one killer of children was abortion. 42.3. There's something the church can step into and see things turned around. Affect that culture. That's what we want to see. We want to see abuse go away, loneliness go away, orphanages. What about a day when there'll be no orphanages because like families stay together, Right? Corruption. 2020, we have more refugees in the world than we've ever had, ever. 
in our civilized world. Church, it's time to launch. It's time to launch into it. Jesus says, I give you the keys to the kingdom. Whatever you decide that you're going to lock up, this is my translation, it's going to stay locked up. Whatever you decide to lose, loose, you're going to lose. You're going to open it up. So we can either choose to be the jailer or the one who opens the door. Church, step into that. That's my, that's my, um, that's my prayer for you, that you'll step into this. I want to finish with what Jesus read. Remember, I told you his, his, his assignment, and we read it out of, out of Luke, and he, that was from Isaiah 61. Let me finish just a little chunk of that Isaiah 61 as I finish here. Now, Jesus didn't need to read that whole thing because they would know. Like if, when Jesus started reading that psalm or that, that thing from Isaiah, they would know how that would finish. They would know. But let me, let me read, finish reading it for you guys. He says, I'll pick it up from verse 2. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and to grant those who mourn in Zion to give them a beautiful headdress instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, the garment of praise instead of faint spirit, that they may be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. Some translations say to display his beauty. Would you like to display his beauty to the world? That they shall build up ancient ruins. They shall raise up the former devastations. They shall repair their ruined cities, the devastation of many generations. Church, we're called. We're called to make a kingdom impact on society. So let's pray. I just want to pray for you guys tonight. And I just want to also tell you that this altar here is going to be open. I think on Thursday when we had our regional relaunch rally, we had took the opportunity to lay hands on some people and like launch them into their calling. If you weren't here on that Thursday night, you want your you want hands laid. We, we're open to do that tonight. If you're just struggling with anything, maybe maybe you need to have some some captivity pulled off of you, some whatever's holding you in bondage. We want to do that tonight. We want to see you leave out of this place free, just like Jesus said. I came to free the captives. I want to give them liberty, he said. Did you walk in liberty? If you don't know Jesus, if you don't know Jesus, man, we're excited you're here. And we want to introduce you to him. So let's stand and pray. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for the last 10 weeks, God. We exalt your name, God, above all names. Lord, no other name is worthy of worship but your name, Father. And Lord, we thank you for the last 10 weeks. We thank you, Lord, that you have shown us calling, assignment, and where you are positioning us to make a kingdom impact, God. But most of all, God, we exalt the fact that we are called sons and daughters and nothing can ever take that away from us. That your love, God, nothing can separate us from your love. So thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And Lord, I ask that you use every heart in here tonight, God, everyone here, Lord, who draws breath, Lord, that they would leave from this place 
Some would go short, God. They may make it a kingdom impact right here in San Marcos, God. Some would go further, Lord, maybe on the state level, God. And some, Father, may go to the ends of the earth, Lord, to make a kingdom impact. So we see, Lord, that your name is lifted high above all names. You are worthy that the nations would praise you, Lord. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.